Welcome to Sunday's Lesson with Lane. In this podcast, we will listen to Lane Brown's sermon this past week at the Chandler Street Church of Christ in Kilgore, Texas. We hope this message blesses you as you strive to grow closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. It's a little different here, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, and, and we, we kind of have to do things that, that to make it good for the, the group here and the group on, online, and so it makes us have to do stuff a little bit different, and our entire lives have kind of changed up, and our lives are a little different, and each day we're going to try to get better and better and make this new normal something good something that we appreciate so if you if you thought something oh, i wish we did it this way or that way you can let us know and let let us uh, let us uh, try to help figure out what makes this the best worship experience we can have because we just want to glorify our god in the best way possible and i think god is smiling down on us when he sees us here together worshiping and all those that are at home worshiping him i think it's a beautiful thing but all that being said, with all this, I'm reminded of Southwest's slogan, want to get away. Y'all remember that? <laughs> I have been at home for since March. I have not been to a restaurant. I've, I've gone through a drive-thru, but I have not been in a restaurant and sat down in a restaurant in two months. That's kind of crazy. Don't you want to just go somewhere, right? Kilgore, uh, it's, it's a nice town and Longview's a nice place, but we want to kind of get away a little bit, see something a little bit different. And I want you to think about the furthest you've ever traveled. What's the farthest place that you have, that you have ever gone to? And what did you see that was different whenever you went to that place? When I think about the furthest place I've gone, we our church used to support a group in uh, our missionaries, Brent and Jill Nichols, in Niteroy, Brazil. And that's South America. I've never left uh, the North American continent, and I had the opportunity to go down there and look at the work down there, and I spent about eight days in Brazil. And one of the things I noticed about the people of Brazil and the customs of Brazil is they think Americans are a little bit gross. And the reason they think we're gross is how we eat our food. Because when I get a hamburger, I don't mind putting my big greasy paws all over that burger, right? I'll eat it. I'll, I, I don't mind touching it. But in Brazil, that's a no-no. You're not supposed to touch your food. You're supposed to use a fork like a civilized person, not like a dog. When you grab pizza, now this is where they're crazy, but they think we are. When you grab pizza, you grab it with, we grab it with our hand because that's normal. They eat a pizza with a fork, is that crazy? Eating pizza with a fork? Some of y'all might say, I eat pizza with a fork all the time. Well, you might be a little crazy or Brazilian. That's okay. So it's different. And it's not just the pizza that's different. Brazilians absolutely love pizza. In my eight days down there, I noticed one of the traditions that they have there is for someone's birthday, they take you out to eat pizza, which that sounds good. That sounds like a good, a good thing. And their pizza is almost always a pizza buffet. And in this pizza buffet, it's not like a pizza buffet where, like we think of where you go and you, you get the pizza and, and uh, you, you pick what you want. They have waiters that come around and they bring the pizza to you. But the pizza is also different. The pizza has all sorts of different uh, 
toppings on it. So you can have pizza with corn on it. One of their big things that they like is pizza with sweet peas on it. They like bacon and egg pizza. And what I've learned in, in my eight days in Brazil, they like, they love French fries and they love pizza and why not just throw them together? And so you have French fry pizza. Is that crazy? That's what they think of, of good pizza. And so one of the things I look at that and I, I realize, you know what? Maybe we're not all so different because everyone likes pizza. And if you don't like pizza, you're a little weird, and that's a different sermon for a different day. But everyone likes pizza, but we might sit and think, well, pizza is not supposed to have all those weird sweet pea and corn or bacon and egg or french fry toppings. <laughs> and originally you'd be right, Chris. Originally you'd be right. Pizza was supposed to be tomato sauce and, and uh, mozzarella cheese and maybe a, little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of Italian sausage or some sort of Italian meat. But now that pizza's become worldwide, pizza can be open for any topping you like, right? Any topping you want to put on that pizza, boom, it can go on a pizza. And sometimes we just sit there and I'll, I'll, I'll look at debates about, should pineapple ever be put on a pizza? And we might debate about that. Now we're in the same debate, not the same debate, it has a lot bigger consequences and all this, but this is the debate that the Jewish people had with the Gentiles. Originally, the salvation and the blessings of God were for the Jewish nation. They were for the Jews. That is who God's family was. And God was going to put, down, put this, uh, this, this, uh, this, this family and make it a nation. And through this nation was going to come a great king. And everyone outside, all these other weird toppings, were not part of it. Until Jesus Christ. So if you look in your Bible, we, we used this verse a couple of weeks ago, and it was Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And this is what the Jewish, the Jewish people were thinking. They said, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I want you to realize something here. All of you, almost all of you, I don't know, you're... you're, you're, you're cultural, ethnic background, but probably everyone in here were once sweet pea toppings, once french fries on pizza. We were the Gentiles. We were the outsiders. We weren't part of the promise. And Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 will tell us this. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to be in Ephesians most of the day, so open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and he's going to tell us in verse 11, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders of birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews and were proud of their, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it was affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In this particular translation, I love how he uses, you were once the outsiders. And when I think about that, I think about... It's hard for us to understand that we, as Gentiles, were the outsiders. He goes on in verse 12 to say, In those days, 
You were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people. Israel and you did not know the promises God had made for them. You lived in this world and God with it, without God and without hope. It's hard for us as Americans to think that it was us, one point, that lived without the hope of God. I mean, we don't understand that because Jesus already came, but what he's trying to tell these Gentiles who started to understand who God was, realized that he wanted to remind them that they once were people without hope, once were people without God. We live in this incredible nation, a nation that's founded on Christian principles. And one of the way, and sometimes we might even think that we were the chosen ones because we do such a great job or, or we probably lead the effort in going out and being missionaries to a world that doesn't know Jesus Christ. But he doesn't want us to forget we were once these outsiders. We once had a barrier that separated us from God. And maybe it wasn't when, when uh, America was formed because Jesus uh, had already come by that time. But there was a time in your life when you hadn't put Christ on. You hadn't been baptized into his name and you were an outsider. And maybe we have issues with people. Maybe it's not that we have issues with outsiders or such as such as the clash between the Jews and the Gentiles but we might have issues with people that are a little bit different than us maybe they look different than us maybe they have different background than us maybe they have a lot more uh, jewelry on their face than us there's a lot of people that, are look, that look different than us. A lot of people that have different backgrounds than us. A lot of people that have different cultures than us. And what we need to realize is we might consider them outsiders, but they too need to have the opportunity to find who Christ is. And if we consider them outsiders and we consider us on the inside, we forget to have the zeal that those outsiders need to have Christ in their life. And we need to go to them. In verse 13, it reads, But now you belong to Jesus Christ. Though once you were far away from God, now you have been brought near to Him because of the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has made peace between us and the Jews and the Gentiles by making us all one people. He has broken down the wall of hostility that used to separate us. What did Jesus do? When he came and died for us, he broke down these barriers. He broke down these walls that separated us from him. And so, as Americans, as Texans, as people in Kilgore, this weekend, we remember Memorial Day. And we remember all those who fought for our rights. And it is wonderful to have the rights to stand here as a Christian and as American and freely be able to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ without having to worry about anyone coming through these doors and trying to stop us. 
And so we take this time today to thank those Americans that, that fought for our rights to do that and died for us. But just as much as we remembered those that fought for our religious freedoms, we need to remember to fight for the souls of the outsiders, those that don't know Christ. We need to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach all those in our neighborhood, those members of our family, reach those that don't know Christ, that might be a little different than us, because that's what Paul did. Matter of fact, Paul went on trial for this very thing. Paul was so concerned about, about the Gentiles, he disrupted quite a bit of stuff that happened in the temple at the time. And so he was arrested because he was stirring up crazy things like saying that the gospel is for everyone. The good news is for everyone that wants to turn their hearts to Jesus Christ. The Jewish folks didn't like that because they believed they were the blessing. They believed they were the children of promise. And while they were, Jesus Christ opened this up to everyone. And he didn't just open it up to you have the Jewish people and then you have the Gentiles. No. What he just said in 13 and 14, everyone shares equally in this right. And so Jesus stops Paul because Paul was persecuting these Christians at first. And Jesus stops him and gives him a new mission. In Acts chapter 26, verse 17, he says, this is Jesus talking to Paul. And this is Paul telling the courts because Paul has been arrested and Paul is uh, now, now on trial for spreading this message. And Jesus told, told Paul, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What did Jesus just do with Paul? Jesus just told him, you have a new mission. No longer will you persecute Christians, but you will go to the Gentiles, and you will tell these outsiders that they have this opportunity to be part of Christ's family. And while Paul's on trial for doing exactly what he did by changing the message that the, that the uh, Jewish leaders want, were, were, were trying to tell people that they were the only children of the promise. He knew the law that he was following now was the law that Jesus Christ just gave him. And so he answers King Agrippa in verse 19. He says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the, vi to the vision from heaven. What Paul is telling them is, I might be on trial, but I answer to a higher law. And just like Paul answers to this higher law, we answer to the same message, that there are people out in our world that do not know Jesus Christ. And maybe they're a little bit different. Maybe that makes us scared to go talk to them. Maybe we think, no, oh, they would never listen to it. But just like Paul, we have this mission to go and speak to the outsiders. We have this mission to tell people. Maybe they're our family members. Or maybe they're your next door neighbor. Maybe they're your coworker that you might not particularly get along all that well with. We need to change the way we're thinking and reach out to these people. So Paul goes in, verse, in chapter 3. And he starts in verse 1. He says, I, Paul, 
I'm going to read from this version because I like it a little better. In the NIV, he says, For this reason, I, Paul, for what reason is Paul talking about? For this reason, for everything that we just said earlier, because I just united, or Jesus united the Jews and the Gentiles, and they are all one, and they all have this ability to share in the promise. For this reason, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. What is Paul saying here? Paul is in chains and probably his, his uh, friends and all the Christians are talking about Paul, that he's living this life in chains, and he's saying, I am not in chains to the emperor of Rome. I am not in chains because I didn't follow the law of, of the Jewish people. I'm in chains because God wants me to spread this message to the Gentiles. And so he calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't use that in a way to, well, you should feel sorry for me because I'm doing that. He is okay with being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That is what his job is. And we all live these dual roles in life. I might be Lane Brown and I may, might be the father of Dane and Sydney, right? And maybe you would think a role as a father is I've got to provide for them or help provide for them. I've got to make sure that they uh, get up and go to school. I've got to tell them good dad jokes. Maybe that's my role. But what is my real role? What is my other role? As a Christian, I am the man that God has entrusted to show them who Jesus Christ is, to teach them to put their full trust in Christ. You might work somewhere, and that might be your day-to-day -day job, but your real job is to be a Christian and to share the good news to those that you come in contact with. We all have these dual roles as Christians, and that's what Paul is trying to tell, tell you. And sometimes we look at, at our dual role and we might think, Ugh, this is kind of a hard role that God's given me. I live in a family and my family is messed up and they don't want to know anything about Jesus Christ. But God has said, all right, this is your job. And so it's all about perspective and how we choose to use our perspective on the role that God's given us, the context that God's put us in. When I think about that, I think about a man named Stacy King. Now, Stacy was an NBA player. And if you know anything about the NBA, uh, you, can, you can go out and you shoot baskets and make points. That's pretty much, y'all understand basketball, right? Well, one day, Stacy King made one free throw in a game. And you might not think, that's not that great. You don't want to just make one free throw. You probably don't, uh, you probably don't uh, get too many, too many uh, great pats on the back for one free throw. But that particular game that he made one free throw, Michael Jordan, who was his teammate, scored 69 points. And when they asked Stacy King what he thought about, about that day, what he thought about that performance, King says, I will always remember this day as the day that me and Michael Jordan combined for 70 points. It's about your perspective, right? What is our perspective of where God's put us? We might sit there and we might complain about, about uh, our situation in life. Maybe we wish we had more money. Maybe we wish we were part of a different family. Maybe we wish, who knows what. But God's saying, you're, remember your context 
And in that life, reach the people that are around you. And I just worry, sometimes last week we talked about the fields are ripe for harvest, and I asked you, where is your field? And sometimes we might have narrowed down where our field is, and God's telling us, open that field up. Don't limit yourself on who you can reach because you've got a teammate much greater than Michael Jordan, right? Our teammate is Jesus Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us boldness to go out and reach those who don't know him. Reach those that might consider themselves outsiders. In verse 6, it reads, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches and inheritance by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. And this whole time, right in the, in the verses 2 through 5, he talks about this mystery. And it was always just a mystery to them that, that they didn't understand that, that everyone that wanted to turn their life to Christ had that ability too. And the mystery isn't something that's really hard for us to understand. It's actually fairly easy. We sung it as little children. Uh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. We know that, but it hadn't been revealed to the people. That's why when I told you stories about Jesus going up to, uh, up to these, these villages and him wanting to, to heal people that weren't the Jewish people, they didn't get it. It's kind of like... If you ever got a present or you ever gave a present to, to uh, one of your children and you tell them, don't open that present yet, right? Because then it will reveal, it will reveal the big reveal, right? Or you didn't want to, if you're giving them a game system, you don't want to give them a game and make them think, oh, I don't have any games, any system to play with that. So you, sometimes you order out, I don't know, maybe just my family, but we order out what, what, what presents you get sometimes if they're all connected. There was a connection, and there were, it alluded to it throughout the Old Testament, but finally it was revealed to them that they could all be one, and they could all share in the riches of Jesus Christ. In verse 8, he says, Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he will graciously give me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. So he starts off saying, I'm the least deserving to be telling this message. And when I think of Paul, Paul did do a lot of things. Paul persecuted Christians. But was Paul really the least of all? Paul had a zeal for God his entire life. That's why he was doing it. He thought he was honoring God, but he was wrong. I think when Paul says this, he is trying for us to remember or trying to explain to us that it's not just the person that send, sends the message out. Ever since I started preaching here, I started listening to about five different preachers, five different sermons a week. All different types of people, just because I want to hear different, different ways to do it, different, uh, different people's perspectives and how they deliver sermons. And every time I'll listen to them, I think, wow. Sure wish I could be a preacher like that person. That's the first thing that goes in my head. Then I have to remind myself, wait a minute. It's not the preacher that's important. 
the preacher is the least of it. It's the message that's important. And I think that's what Paul is trying to say right there. It's, I'm so undeserving to sit there and proclaim the good news of Christ, but the message is so powerful. The good news is so powerful. We all have that ability to do that. And you, in your context, can probably be a whole lot more powerful at delivering that message than I could. Your coworkers, your family members, your, your uh, fellow classmates, you have that ability a whole lot more than I do. And so God calls us all out because it's, we don't have to be great to go and tell the message of God. We have to have a great message, and that is something we have. The message of Jesus Christ, the good news, the fact that we can receive the riches of the kingdom of God. And what are those riches? In, in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. If we truly understand what the kingdom of heaven is like, if we truly understand what having Christ in our life on this earth would be like, we would sell everything we had and we would go and get it. Think of how great the kingdom of heaven is. If we, uh, The kingdom of heaven means that we can live with God eternally, forever. The kingdom of heaven means that we don't have to worry about sickness and we don't have to worry about death. The kingdom of heaven means when we sing a song and it's your favorite song and it's a song that just really gets to you and maybe it makes goosebumps stand on your arm or maybe it raises the hairs on your arm because the song is so powerful. Those are the types of songs we will be singing in heaven and those and that feeling will never grow old. It will only intensify. I think music is something that God has given us because it's this weird connection that we can have with Him. And I love that we can be able to sing praises to Him and they're not going to be praises where we'll sit here and we'll, we'll think, well, that song was too loud or, or uh, that song was, was too quiet. or we got No. All that stuff is going to be erased in heaven. We're going to be singing perfectly and it's just going to go make us feel so incredible. The kingdom of heaven means that we can live a life here and when we have the Spirit in our life, we have the, the, we have the fruits of those spirits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, when we have all of that, if you truly had Christ in your life and you lived with Christ in your life like that, can you imagine having a marriage that was only filled with love? Can you imagine having kids in your life that the two of you, the, the, uh, you and your kids would only have joy and you had full patience with them? Because when we have this spirit in our life, that's what our life transforms to, and everyone would want that, and you would sell everything you could to have that. The kingdom of heaven is for here, right now, because God gives us his spirit, and it's for one day when we can live and we can feast with God at this banquet. He tells us that one day we will share in the, in the bread and wine with him. And he's holding off until we get there, so that's, that's pretty awesome. He's ready for us to come. So we can share in this with him. Can you imagine being part of this kingdom where we get to have this banquet 
with our Lord and Savior. And don't you want at this banquet your children? Don't you want at this banquet your parents? Don't you want at this banquet your neighbors or your classmates? Don't you want them to be part of this and experience this with you? Because God offers that to us. He offers that to anyone that wants to give their life to him. Anyone that wants to be baptized into, into him. Die away from this old life because this life doesn't give us those wonderful things. But we can raise with him and we can enjoy the spirit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our life. And it can transform our life so that our life will be like Christ. And we won't have the worries. We won't have the struggles. Because we know we can look forward to a hope and something better. If you want Christ in your life, you can be baptized today. Or, if you need to tell someone about this message, about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, they need to hear it. Don't keep them as outsiders. Let them know the message. Whatever you need, please come while we stand and sing. Thank you for joining Sunday's lesson with Lane. I pray you are blessed by this message and that you will join us next week as we dive into the encouragement God gives us in his word.